Japan? Oh, uh, yeah, Australia. It's about four o'clock in the morning, something like that. <laughs> morning? Yeah, good <laughs> um, morning. They're in a strict lockdown at the moment. Have you got any message for the fans back home? Oh, yes. Uh, I hope you, we could give you a little lift, uh, a little lift in, that, in, in difficult times. Uh, I hope it's uh, not too long anymore that you still have to watch the games, obviously at night, but maybe in some pub or bar or wherever, um, or even better, coming to England again and watch a game live in the stadium. I know it's a, quite a trip, but you're always very welcome. And um, yeah, we all can't wait that this difficult time is over. This is the first, was today, the first little, little sign that we hopefully are on the good side of it, but we always we have to be disciplined. So I wish you all the best and can't wait to see you as well. Good evening and a very, very warm welcome to you wherever you may be. Thank you very much for joining us on tonight's Football Out West show. It is going to be an absolute pearl of, of, a, of a show tonight. My name is Tonchi Prusak, one of the co-hosts for tonight's show and joining me as he does week in week out Craig Filer. Craig right from the outside said some great words there from the great man himself Jurgen Klopp Curt and that footage courtesy of Optus Sports and a bit more about Optus Sports a little later in the program but uh yeah it's exciting times um you know we're going to turn our attention to the other side of the world and the European leagues have either kicked off this weekend or are kicking off and it's all about the Euro leagues tonight Craig Absolutely. Good evening, Tonch. Good evening, listeners. Hope everybody's well uh, in the end of lockdown. But you're right, Tonch. How good was it to see uh, the EPL back last night? Uh, and it started off with a bang with uh, with Liverpool and Leeds. And we'll discuss that later on. But uh, more importantly, how nice is it to see full stadiums again? Yeah. Super. You know, I was hearing, you know, comment and in one of the commentaries that um, uh, Watford have been relegated and promoted without any fans in the in the stadium how's that yeah. for us that yeah yeah so, uh, over the period of uh, of covid they've been relegated and and uh, and one promotion again but yeah it's fantastic to see full full houses and people singing and uh, yeah it's you can, can only dream that it'll happen in uh, in australia well, absolutely. I mean, a lot is happening behind the scenes. Obviously, not a lot happening as far as the actual on-the-field football is concerned, but a lot happening behind the scenes, and we'll be talking a lot about that. Mate, some big guests tonight, but uh, we're having a little bit of problems with um with our third, the third member of our um, illustrious trio, Steve Curtin. Um, he is, uh, I, he, I think he's here. Steve, can you hear us? No, he can't. He uh, he's coming at us deep from um, lockdown territory, and uh, nothing seems to be working. No, no, no hotspot, no Wi-Fi, nothing. So uh, hopefully we'll have Steve Curtin on as well, um, and he'll be joining us hopefully throughout the show. But mate, speaking of guests, we've got some huge guests tonight. Craig, tell us all about our the men that we will be talking to during the course of the next uh, hour and a half or so. Yeah, Tonch. Uh, look, first and first and foremost, we've uh, we've got a great guest um, uh, from from Optus Sports, and we've been quite lucky uh, that we've uh, mm. got a, bit of a relationship now going with Optus Sports with Nick Stoll and John Aloisi that we've had. Uh, but tonight we've got the sports editor uh, David Vino, who's going to come on and and talk to us um, about obviously the uh, everything overnight in uh, in EPL and in Europe, and it's uh, it's quite a bit of a coup for us to, to to have him, I think, on on the show. 
Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. He has got a lot of um, uh, roles, sports editor, as you said, head of social media. Geez, there's a lot of other things he's involved in as well. Yeah, absolutely. But really looking forward to that. I I, I can't wait for that. So that's going to be pretty exciting. And uh, can we have the drum roll, please? Because I think he's going to come and join us. Steve Curtin, he does. Steve, wow. Good evening. How are you, my friend? What's going on? Good evening. Yeah, very well. Thanks, Tonchi. And uh, g'day, mate. And g'day, Craig, as well. And hello to everyone tuning in. Thanks for joining us tonight. And thanks for your patience while you waited, us for, waited for us to come on air. Mate, and, you look uh, like yeah, you're ready to go to a sleep. Good show. You, you look like you're ready yeah, to go to sleep. Yeah. Is that like a bed that I can see in the background? <laughs> yeah, we've, um, we've, we've got a change of scenery. We've taken it to the... Uh, up a notch, but we are still a 7 p.m. family time slot sort of show here, so we'll keep it all above board. Ellie, what's worrying is you take a scarf to bed with you, and that's that's a bit that's a bit worrying, mate. Yeah, oh well, you know, you got to have passion, haven't you? You got to just um, <laughs> be willing to lay it all out. I don't know whether that's good for the uh, for the for the uh, for the partner or not. There's a bit of passion. The only passion you're getting is your Western United scarf. Uh, yeah, well, we've got a whole range. We've got the corner flag here. The corner got, flag. Chris Gleason would be very happy. If Chris is tuning in for yeah. that one. Yep, look at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've got a few props. So I don't know if they're mad props, but they're definitely props. So uh, really yeah, enjoy. Now, well, um, Steve, we were just talking about our guest tonight, Craig. You've, I've mentioned Dave. Oh. Whoa, whoa, oh, <laughs> That's a little bit of noise there as that well. I might have had Nick Stoll coming yeah. on. Yeah. Now, now the Welsh are a little bit a bit a little bit like um, wives. You know, you can li- you can't live without them. You can't live with them, type of thing. But we cannot get away from the Welsh, can we, Craig? Apart from the fact that you're you yourself are of Welsh um, extraction, but we've got another famous Welsh. Well, we can't get away from the joining Welsh, us. We can't get away from the Welsh. Yeah. Tell God, us about God's that. country, mate. That's why. Tell us about this other Welshman that is going to be joining us tonight. A big one, it's too, a, by the way. It's uh, it's God's country, mate. Where men are men and sheep are scared. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that New Zealand? No. Anyway, right. um, so we have yes, we have look a great guest on tonight. Yeah. I think um, you know it'll be great to talk uh, not only EPL football. It's uh, it's wax ex Welsh international and EPL player and current boss of Western Sydney Wanderers, Carl Robinson, who's uh, who's going to come on the show later on and and have a chat about, obviously, the EPL, uh, Wolves, which is his own, his own uh, his old team. We got a bit of a, uh, a clip of, of him playing uh, back in 22 years ago, I think it was. Um, we'll also touch on, uh, obviously, Western Sydney Wanderers and, uh, and his hopes and aspirations for the coming season. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's going to be really good. He apparently he's played in Canada and, and, and America as well. Um, and obviously he's had um, a very, very good start to his uh, managerial career here in the A-League. Um, and that's going to be a little bit later on in the show. He'll be the second cab off the rank. And last but not least, a man that we've had in the past and who's going to be a regular guest. And um, I'm, I'm quite excited about this because he's going to be running a segment that I must admit I don't know too much about this particular league, but I've always got a real soft spot for this league. Craig, who's our third guest tonight? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird one to say, actually, but um, Dan Padnocolo, who's uh, who's going to be our Italian correspondent, Italian guru, whatever you want to call him, who's going to be talking everything Serie A, uh, yeah. calling us from a football stadium in Russia where he's preparing for his football match. Man gets around, doesn't he? He's very, very international. I think the last time we spoke to him, he was on his way to Italy from England, where he was at the Euro Championships. 
and then now he went he's, to yeah yeah that's right yeah it's, then he went to turkey and now he's back home in st petersburg i think that's going to be interesting we've got a very cosmopolitan show on tonight steve so uh we're, we're looking forward to it uh mate have you caught any of the games overnight or anything like that over this weekend yeah, well, uh, we were able to catch that one at the convenient time slot last night. And it was a it was a belter, wasn't it? That uh, Leeds and Man United game mm. uh, ended up being a bit of a belting for Leeds, but belting, very entertaining yeah. viewing. I think um, 10, 10 shots on goal in the uh, in the first twenty five minutes, something like that, or ten yeah. goal attempts. Should I say crazy stuff? But very yeah. open. But you know, for a neutral, that's that's what you want, right? That's pretty good. Um, yeah. So caught that one. Caught a couple of mini matches. Uh, obviously, that Arsenal. Uh, trip to Brentford. I caught that mini match on Saturday morning and uh, watched the mini match of uh, the uh, the foxes and the wolves this morning, which was um, the other one that I caught. And then just a few highlights. And uh, yeah, it's great. Football's back. Yeah, that's um, fantastic. How about yeah. yourselves, guys? Matches caught over the last couple of days? Oh, look, a, a little bit. It's it's hard, isn't it? It's like mm. you know, I um, the, 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 I think one of the signs of getting old, Craig. Maybe you can agree with me or not. I don't know. But you know, you sort of say you you want to stay up and watch. You know, pull an all nighter and watch a game, and then by mm. nine o'clock, ten o'clock, you're struggling. Then you say you're going to get up in the morning and watch it, and then you're struggling because it's you're, you're nice and warm in bed, or it's too hard to get up, or I don't know. It's just yeah. It's not good, but uh, yeah, I watched uh, one I watched good thing. Game. Yeah, I it thought was... it was a football game. I thought it was fantastic, and uh, ended up going to bed um, and thought I'd get up this morning and just watch every mini match. Uh, yeah, I was going to say they, they um, are a godsend. They are absolutely fantastic. Uh, and look, up the sports, and we've got David Weiner in the green room. We'll talk a little bit about that. And I'm not just saying that because he's coming up shortly. But yeah, they they do what the the the, the highlights, they do it properly. They do, the it properly. Matches, they yeah. do, they yeah. do. And and you can really watch. You know, you can either get your full fix, you can get your part fix, or you can get your little fix. But yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And to be honest, um, we may also have another um guests coming up in the next few weeks um, from an obscure league, a Western suburban uh, fella, Davor Trifunov, who signed for a Macedonian um, club and he played for Geelong Soccer Club. And even, even the, you know, an obscure league like the Macedonian League, with all credit to um, the uh, Macedonian competition, you can still watch it, whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on, on, on Facebook or whatever the case may be. So most most competitions overseas now have got a really, really good um, social media exposure mm. or coverage. So it doesn't matter what you want to watch. Um, you know, my parents' birthplace in Croatia has got a team in the fourth tier. They actually <laughs> live stream their games. So it doesn't matter if it's you wanting to watch EPL or Bundesliga or, or just some fourth tier obscure league. You can still watch it these days. It's amazing, isn't it? It's great. It is. It's uh, it's yeah. what social media is now, Tonsh. Yeah. It's, it's the platform for just about everything. You know, I've got rid of uh, that uh, that company beginning with F. Um, I've, my, box, <laughs> yeah. my boxes, have, my boxes have gone, and everything streamed through the through the smart TVs now. So yeah. um, it just shows you where we are in technology, and it's only going to get better, isn't it? Sorry, Steve. Yeah, no, I was thinking about getting rid of the old KO. I think a lot of our uh, colleagues have done so as well. But um, no, there's some good stuff. Looking forward to getting onto the Paramount Plus soon as well. I was going to say, has any either of you guys got Paramount? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I know. Look, no. uh, Santino Marmoni, he, he says he's got it now. Our man Santino, he's he's on top of it. 
I'd love to know. No, I don't uh, think he's watched it yet, though, Santino. <laughs> he's got it, but he <laughs> hasn't watched it. Last time I heard he hadn't tuned in yet. So. I do believe they've got, they're offering these seven-day He wants to watch trial. a bit of iCarly, I heard. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic. Now, gents, let's talk about, um, before we move on to our guests, let's chat about, you know, one of the biggest uh, talking points in, in, in international transfer, and that's uh, Messi going to Paris Saint-Germain. Craig, first of all, to you, well, let's, of course, let's... mate, what's happening over there? Uh, look, we'll we'll touch on it with David um, in in a sh in a short while, but yeah, it's a debacle, isn't it? You know, to have a player of that caliber uh, walking away from your football club for free mm. um, yeah. because of mismanagement in the whole club is just an extraordinary. It's just it beggars belief, if I'm honest, uh, that, yeah. that a football club can run in such a way that you don't know that you're paying out more in wages to footballers than you've got coming in. Yeah. You know, there's some serious questions need to be asked at that football club. And, uh, you know, but I suppose it's um, it's Paris Saint-Germain's um, gain, isn't it? And you look at that uh, front three that we got, and like I said, we won't talk about it too much but because um, we'll talk about it with Dave. But does it get better, Neymar, Mbappe and Messi? Oh, incredible. They have done an incredible job as far as uh, – they're recruiting in the off-season. I, I don't think you can possibly uh, score any better recruits than what they have in the off-season. Um, Steve, thoughts about that? Oh, it's off the charts, their recruitment this season, yeah. bringing in the likes of Donnarumma, um, Hakimi, obviously, um, yeah, Ramos. now Messi as well. Ramos. Yeah, yeah, he's Ramos. Ramos. yeah, yeah that'll like, change your rooms, won't it? It's funny Ramos. seeing Messi and Ramos in the same team, isn't it? They hate each other, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So I, I imagine that they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah so but, I don't know, but what, what this says about the um, you know, the fair play initiative, uh, the financial fair play initiatives. I'm not too sure what that says about <laughs> that, but um, there's always loopholes to be found, isn't there, guys? Yeah, yeah. But it reminds me of 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 something uh, going back to the Manchester United of the '90s, I suppose, when Alex Sir Alex Ferguson was managing it. And um, I remember reading, I think it might have been an article or an extract from his autobiography where it's saying. In, in those situations, um, and Craig will elaborate on this, when you've got so many egos, so many multimillionaires, so many superstars in the dressing room, the manager's job becomes even more important to be able to subdue those egos for the greater good of the team. Um, will Paris Saint-Germain have a super team or will they struggle with all these, um, as we mentioned, Ramos and Messi don't like each other? Or will they be forced to like each other? Or what the hell is going to go on? What 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 do you think will happen in season 21, 22 as far as uh, PSG is concerned? Uh, look, I think it's uh, it's a case of waiting and seeing what happens. If you look at uh, the coach, Pochettino, he's always wanted big signings. Uh, he's always touted himself as wanting big players when he was at Spurs. Now he's got big players. It's how he handles them, you know, part of man management. And we'll touch maybe touch on this with, with uh, with Carl later on. Um, yeah. Man management now in football is is so much part of the game, um, much more than it was perhaps in in the seventies oh, yeah. and eighties. You know, um, Alex Ferguson was probably the main uh, antagonist of, I suppose, of. Uh, of that with his uh, fledglings that he had, you know, and yeah. Arsene Wenger coming in with a different style of, of coaching. and uh, But, yeah, man management now in football, even at local level, Tonch, you know, because there's a lot of egos. We talk about egos at 
Paris Saint-Germain, there's a lot of egos in State League 5, let me yeah. tell you. So, <laughs> well, no, we've got, we've no got exaggerations one, there. We've got, yeah. we've got one coach, one State League 5 coach um, uh, uh, jumping on the uh, the uh, comments section. Dale Harris, coach of the uh, Barnes Soccer Club. Now he's um, got, a, he's got now, an ego. Speaking of egos, <laughs> don't be scared to talk about the mighty Liverpool lads. Only two teams in England, Liverpool AD, I think you meant to say, and anyone that plays against United. Okay, right, Dale. It's a tricky job now managing people and players and you know everybody expects to play everybody thinks they're better than somebody else and it's a very very tough job and uh, certainly I suppose results will will um, will 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 sort that out for uh, for Pochettino, no doubt. Yeah, He's going to be in trouble if they lose the first two games, isn't he? Oh, I tell you what, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I think they've actually won the first two games, but we'll talk a little bit about that. But I think, gents, it's time that we bring our first guest on the line. Um, he's been waiting very, very patiently, and um, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome the um, the sports editor and the head of the um, social media at Optusports, uh, David Weiner. David, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Pleasure, gents. Good. How are you? Great to great to be on and great to be part of your show. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, mate, you, um, I think we've just touched on some of your roles there at Optusport, sports editor and head of social media. You do a few other things as well, but like, look, tell us, you know, what's it like working at Optusport? I mean, We've spoken to some of your colleagues in the past, and it just seems like you know it's 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 a it's a kid walking into a massive toy store every day type of thing, Christmas at once. <laughs> it's a, uh, I'm glad I'm glad it has that impression on the outside. It's actually really lovely when we bring uh, new talent like Carlin or, or um, a new potential staff member. They have a look and they're looking at uh, this oasis, and you walk in and you've got memorabilia on the walls and 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 a big. Now we've got a big sort of well. When we're in the office, of course, which hasn't been since the last since the Euros final was the last time I was in the office. Yeah, but nice right. when you walk in a runway that has Women's World Cup logos all over it. So um, it's really exciting, and it's invested with people who genuinely love the game, and that's what's really exciting. You, I did catch a bit of your banter a bit early about some other media organisations, and and one of the which I, at the time was fortunate to work for. Um, and what I love about off the sport is that you're invested with people who just love the game. Uh, that's a great joy, and yeah, I do wear a few hats, but I get. To, Talk, walk, write, run about football every yeah. day. It's uh, uh I'm, I'm I'm a very happy man. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> Craig. Yeah, it must be it must be fantastic to be in that environment in a daily basis, and uh, you work with some fantastic people. So, um, and Optus are doing a fantastic job, David. So, um, you know, I think. Oh, what's going on oh, there? Lost, Craig. Have we? We've lost Steve. We've lost Craig. We're having oh, no. uh, both right those gents are in, in in the lockdowns, um, <laughs> lockdown in uh, Melbourne. So obviously things are not going good with the internet either. But uh, um, oh, hopefully Steve's going to join us. <laughs> We've, it's just you, me and you, mate. It's just there me. Um, we need some conversation. Yeah, I, say I, I did enjoy. Uh, and I, one thing I would like to say is I did hear what you're saying earlier about the mini matches and the highlights and all mm. that. And um, you know, I know that means a lot to the people that do that. It's it's a it's a really twenty four seven operation, particularly during the Premier League season, with some absolute gun editors uh, who do a fantastic job. I couldn't even, you know, I could barely cut with scissors, let alone cut uh, the, the the video like they do. And, yeah. Um. It's it's a, they love hearing that because they invest so much of their energy into it to know that the punters out there and, and the customers out there and the fans out there love it. Um. They they really wear that as a badge of honour. So it was lovely to hear that because I know oh, brilliant as an organisation. Yeah, um, particularly the mini matches culture that we've created across the industry, um, we're extremely proud of that. 
And we're seeing that across um, across the board, um, most European um, leagues, and like I said, even some smaller countries and obscure leagues are doing it really well. And I guess has, I mean, obviously the world over with everything that's been happening with the pandemic um, has meant there have been a lot of lockdowns. We are now relying on things like technology and Zoom. And, and like even we, 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 you know, once upon a time, we used to go into the FNR studios and, and actually record the show live in the studio. Now we're doing it all from the comfort of our home. So technology's come a long way in the last, say, let's say, year or so. Uh, have ha, have you noticed that being a big thing at Optus and obviously you're always constantly trying to strive to get ahead of the pack and you know improve on your on your on on your own product. Um, have you had a, a big say or have you seen the big the changes in in in, in, in technological advancement um, at Optus? Yeah, it's been a sink or swim environment because of the pandemic, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Um, and different, there's different areas that have different kind of requirements for it. But the fact is we're producing the entire Optisport app now pretty much remotely. And where it really mm -hmm. struck me was um, uh, after the first pandemic and when we got ahead of the game and made sure we were all set up, we did the Premier League final day. Oh, I can't remember what it would have been. But this time a year ago, but virtually, yep. you know, that last lockdown, mm. on social, digital, and editorial from, I think, six or seven locations simultaneously oh, wow. in 10 games. Uh, and at the end of the night, I, I sat back and I went, could you ever have imagined us doing this a year ago? We had, mm. we had Sydney, we had Melbourne, we had UK, and we had one person in the office. So we were, we were across multiple places. And, and, and I think that, uh, that's something that I find absolutely fascinating how we've had to evolve in that sense. There have also been changes to broadcast. And I think, you know, at the moment, it's really disappointing because of, you know, the lockdown and, and lack of movement within Australia. We really had uh, ambitions to have a hero show again at Optus, a magazine show that we could produce here yep. locally, showcasing our talent off the back of the Euros, you know, where we had such a, you know, a, a fabulous momentum with the voices that we had there. But you can't do it. Now, we want to maintain that kind of visual standard to a certain extent. But on the other hand, as we're talking now, you've learned mm. different ways to do it. So um, last Wednesday morning, I was on a conversation like this with uh, Mark Schwartz in one corner, Thomas Sorensen in another corner, Michael Bridges in another corner, because you've got to adapt and you've got to, you know what, we might not have the, the, the sparkling studio, but we've got the people here who are ready to talk and mm -hmm. people are going to have to roll with the times and adapt with that. And, and you, you make do with different time zones and, and, and you get the, the content out for the, for the fans and the customers in the best way possible that you can. So technology has absolutely impacted us. I know that the production and the technical crews are mm -hmm. looking for solutions different ways of doing things to basically survive in this environment um, going forward. And well, let's just hope before long we can do it properly again. James, who wants to go next? Yeah, well, uh, I'm yeah, sorry, about the, sorry about the, sorry about guys, I don't know what happened. We're talking there about you go, technology, both I just disappeared. So uh, do apologize. Craig, you, yeah, you were going to say something. Sorry, bud. Um, oh, Dave, do you want to tell us a little about your journey um, in covering sport to uh, where you are now at Optus? Okay, that's a, that's a, that's something I haven't oh, I have to sit here and have a bit of a self reflection for a minute. That's what you on spot, isn't it? Kind of a little what, moment I to indulge, what I had mate. To dinner, let alone where I was five years ago. Um, yeah. yeah, look, I've been in the game scarily, geez, nearly about 13, 14 years now. Um, and uh, it's really interesting. Like, I came through and actually started in Clubland. I started at Sydney FC, which I'm not ashamed to admit that I came through the Clubland. It was mm -hmm. an open door opening there for me in about 2007. Um, and and I'm not afraid to admit that because a lot of the people that come through and, and email me cold call and go, hey, where do I want to work? And they think that their first job is going to be at Optus Sport or something like that. 
I think back, I think I might have even been a volunteer for free, you mm-hmm. know, just wanted to get in the game and, and, and earn my stripes and, and work my way up and that kind of thing. And, uh, and, I, and I cherish those memories very, very much. And it was a time where the A-League was growing and, and I saw mm-hmm. this wonderful opportunity to be, um, you know, part of the industry that, that for me was just, wow, you know, this is emerging now. This is what I always dreamed of seeing in, in my country. And, and here it is. So, um, you know, from there, I mean, I had to, my big break came at Fox Sports, um, you know, where about nearly 10 years ago, I took over their football section. Um, and that was a fabulous journey, great learning experience, worked with wonderful people with an incredible product. Um, obviously, they've taken an editorial change of direction, which I don't mm-hmm. think is any surprise to any of you guys and possibly your, your viewers and listeners. And, and, and I left before it took a turn that I didn't want to be a part of. Mm. Um, and I'm not embarrassed to say that at all. And fortunately, um, the change was to come to Optusport, um, which has been, as I touched on at the start, a, a, a wonderful journey, which has been a challenge because I, I don't think anyone would, would deny it Optusport. That Optusport is one little part of a ginormous organisation in Optus. Yeah. Um, so what we've been able to achieve, we're all extremely proud of. And I, and I look at now, you know, part of my role as sports editor is being part of a, uh, the, the written editorial aspect that, that happens at the company. And one of the things I'm really proud of there is that when I walked into Optus, Optusport, there was nowhere to publish a written word on, on that platform. Yep. And now we've got, mm. uh, you know, wall-to-wall coverage that, that goes out to complement. And I think it's really, I certainly think in Australia, it's it's unique that you can sit there and watch your match. You can watch your, your highlights. You can watch your mini-match. You can read about it if you want. Um, all in the same place. And, and I think that's really cool um, for the fans. And um, Yeah, that, that's essentially my journey in a very uh, top-line nutshell. Um, and, uh, you know, really feel, to, feel I've been a part of the, the digital wave um, that's uh, taken form with, with football in the country. Now, you've talked about the, 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 the digital um, age, the technology, the advancements and what you're not, but it seems now that everyone and anyone can stream. Um, it, it's a lot, lot cheaper, I guess, not as expensive as it once upon a time used mm-hmm. to be. And we're all involved in the NPL um, Victoria um, streaming that Football Victoria does and all the other states do as well. Is there now a case of people can pick and choose, really, can't they, Dave? Because, I mean, at the moment we talked about we're getting rid of KO Sports, we're getting rid of Fox Sports. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, I, I can't remember the last time I watched uh, mainstream, when I say mainstream, mm-hmm. um, free-to-air TV. Yep. But these yep. days now we've got Paramount coming on yep. board, we've got Binge, we've got Disney, we've got Amazon, yep. we've got Optus, we've got this, we've got that, we've got uh, all this. There's so much content out there that people now can pick and choose. Does that make it harder for, for you guys, for example, at Optusport? Because we've seen the Champions League now going yep. to stand sports. So yep. it's it's competitive. It's yep. um, You have to be one step ahead of the, the yep. pack as well. Um, yep. how, how do you go about doing that? How, I mean, yep. it seems so mind-boggling just to even start entertaining yep. the thought. It's a, it's a great question. And and to a certain extent, I, I, I do feel for the Australian football punter who has to possibly slice and dice and prioritise what they're going to watch. I, I do think that is that football is in a really unique position in that sense, but I think the industry is really going to sort itself out over the next two, three, four, five years about how that plays out. To answer your question, you've got to be the best. You've got to be better. You've got to have high standards. And 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 no matter what happens at Optus Sport, um, you know, yes, you mentioned the Champions League. We're not going to drop our standards. We're not going to drop our conversation on European football. Mm. Um, in fact, our response to those rights deals and, and rights deals happen way above my head. Um, you know, and 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 you see how fluid it is in the market. But we've committed and doubled down with a, a new section 
and a deal with the athletic i don't know if you guys are familiar yeah, with the athletic. Yeah. We've just had a deal with them this week we're tell us a bit more about that because yeah. we did we did, did see something yeah. about that but tell us a bit well, that, more that, about yeah, that well, so that, i mean that's part of our your renewed commitment so we don't have the champions league but we're still going to be well and truly part of the conversation and providing customers with a you know a, a unique uh, well to, to be frank world-class offering and for free as well so the samples that we're going to pick out uh, above the paywall like all our written content is and then uh, any optus sport customer will get a six month free trial with the athletic as well if they like and um that's the standard we want to be at um they're world class i mean i, I don't know if you were you guys are fans or familiar of their work but I'm yeah i've subscribed to, to them this. for about a year now yeah it's been yeah been fantastic it's unbelievable it's unbelievable yeah. like, it's really the access the, and the, the insight they have yeah. is, is it, it blows my mind, you know, and yeah, it's so and, good in the age of the clickbait to have such good yes, quality stuff out yes, there to consume. Yes, like you'd notice yes, the difference straight away when yes. you read this uh, articles from the athletic, like every EPL club got its dedicated writer and they know yep. every little detail yep. going on. It's fantastic. It's well sourced. It's well sourced. And, and there's no doubt about that. And, and what I also hope it allows us to do by having that level of um, that level of content is allows us to play at the same level. I hope in the Australian game too. Um, mm. So I hope that we'll be able to bring our customers a real full picture of that. So that's, you know, a little way of answering your earlier question of, of what do you do when you're yeah. on the um, publisher side or the broadcast side or the OTT broadcast side where everything's getting fragmented and you've got to maintain your standard, you've got to maintain your offering for your customers and you've got to be worth the money that you're asking people to, to, to pay for you because, um, yes, it is it is complicated for football fans right now with the, with the amount of uh, options going forward. But hopefully... Hopefully for the game, you mentioned Paramount Plus and, and you know, the, the, the penetration into mainstream and the audience reach that it has. Hopefully it's a really positive thing for the game, um, which does need a freshen up after, you know, what, what happened in the last few years at Fox Sports and, and having lived the glory years there and, and knowing the potential that, that the A-League has in particular, the W League and the national teams and, and the level of interest that drove in, in my time there. Um, you know, I'm very, very, very optimistic that with the right people around, but um, something similar can be enjoyed with, with the shift there. So um, yeah, the athletic partnership. I'm I'm very proud of that. I think it's a it's a it's a unique offering. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think any punter that comes to our, our platform right now, be it on a Premier League weekend, or if they want to have a bit of a browse during the week, um, will get really well well nourished. Um, and, and to, to conclude that answer, I think one thing that that Optus Sport is is really going to be doubling down on this year and letting people know about, which you might not know about, is we are almost like a Netflix for football. There, there's yeah, nothing else yeah. like that right now. I like that. You, if you've got the time to watch all our shows, you shouldn't because yeah. there's too many. Um, and we have <laughs> our own studio broadcast here right now. From 7 p.m. each night, uh, you, you've got a full feed of stuff that comes through that is available on demand the next day yeah. um, from, from the Premier League abroad. It, and it's it's fabulous if, mm. if you get the time to look at it. And and that's where the digital aspect comes in, where we make sure that we're, we're curating that and delivering it for the customers in a digestible way in our time zone. And that's, yeah. that's what I think what's made off yeah. the sport really cut through in the last three to four years is, is that digital, you know, we are in Australia, the Premier League is in a... Terrible times on for us, and we're going to make it as accessible for everyone as possible for the you know the first time ever. Brilliant, fantastic insight. So uh, let's get on to the EPL. Yes, let's let's yeah, get on enough, to that's uh, enough technical that's a good, yeah. Let's get on to some <laughs> some football stuff. Um, let's start with the champions, uh, Manchester City. Uh, David, um, we play uh, Spurs later on the so Tottenham Hotspurs later on this evening. Jack Grealish, um, mm. how good a signing was that for them? Um, and where do you, more importantly, where do you think that he'll fit into the squad looking at the players that they currently have there? 
Look, he's obviously an incredible signing. I mean, I think Jack Grealish is the type of player that you pay the price of admission for to go watch him alone. But is he worth a hundred million? Well, I don't think he's. I don't think City need a Jack Grealish at a hundred million pound. That's the thing that that really confounds me. Is is I think on his potential and his talismanic ability and and for what he's given to Aston Villa. So fair play to them, a fair play to Jack Grealish for being in coots with that to make sure that he had a deal that you know was going to cost whoever came in that much to prize him away from the club. Um, but for Manchester City, is that what they need right now when you've got De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, who you know might be one of the collateral damages there, yeah. um, Mares, Torres, Gundogan. I mean, the list goes on. Foden. Fo- Foden. Foden. I didn't mention Foden. For goodness sake, I didn't mention Foden. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually Sterling. I didn't mention Sterling. I think it's a bit ridiculous. I think he obviously will take them to a new level, but I actually wonder whether the teething problems, and it always takes these elite players who sort of free-flowing players a bit of time to adapt to the discipline that Guardiola wants them to have. Mm-hmm. And I wonder in a way whether, particularly with a lack of pre-season, with all the stars coming back from the Euros for Man City, so the lack of time Guardiola's really had with them, whether there might be a slow start, a bit of a gelling time um, that might make this a more interesting title race just because of you know the nature of the calendar that we're working with at the moment. Yeah, he's a really interesting. Player. What you said. I Sorry. would watch Jack Fish any day of the week, but um, and, and and you know where do I think he'll play? I think he'll play in almost the role David Silva used to play, a free eight alongside De Bruyne, where they say, "Fill your boots, son. You know, go off and and play." But they're going to have some you know combination and teething problems to work out. So. Um, yeah, I was just going to say to you, actually, David, is that um, is that a problem for where would you fit Jack Grealish? Because at Aston Villa, he was almost just go where he wants to, just go and play. Mm. But you know, as you said there, with um, with Pep being really organised and structured, is that going to be a problem for them, or is it going to be much of the same as you said there with the David Silva role, go and play and just be that player who just does what he wants? It's going to be a little bit more difficult for them, isn't it? Do you know what? I, I don't know if it'll be a problem for him and for, well, as I said, there's going to be a few disciplined kind of tactical things that he's going to get to get used to. But I actually wonder if it's less of an issue for him and De Bruyne and just the the, the, the cast of thousands he's got. You know, there's a yeah, saying, yeah. too many cooks. And you're telling me that, you know, um, like one of Sterling or Foden or Mares is going to be, Bernardo Silva is going to be happy to constantly not be in that 11? Mm. I, I don't think so. So I think that's almost as big a challenge as anything. So it might be, might be the technical and tactical aspect. But I think there's a man management issue that's going to be a huge challenge for Guardiola. And, um, you know, do they need Jack Grealish to win the Champions League? No, they don't need Jack Grealish to win the Champions League. They just don't need to bottle it on the biggest moments like they have in the yeah, last yeah. few years. Yeah. Yeah. They need another signing, which they probably, you know, I don't know. Well, that was now, that was my <laughs> sorry guys, that was my next question. Um, <laughs> is Harry Kane going to be joining them before the transfer deadline? Because that's yeah. what they need. They need a striker, don't they? Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know anymore. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I was we surveyed um I surveyed the, the three boys on on the Optus podcast last week, Schwartzy, Bridgie, and Tommy Sorensen, and they all said he would be gone. Um, I think the three weeks window going into the, the sorry the season going three weeks to and then the deadline hitting is an awful thing, an mm-hmm. awful thing. I know there's you know you can't do much about it right now because of the timing of the calendars, but I think it's it's awful for in this instance Tottenham. Mind you, you know Daniel Levy's brought this upon himself to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for the fans, I really feel sorry for them because there's no way to know what will happen. Um, do City need a nine? Yeah, definitely to, mm-hmm. to to vary things up. Of course, they definitely do. And he clearly doesn't trust uh, Gabriel. Uh, Jesus, um, but uh, be so interesting to see what happens. And could you, I mean, of course, the 
the draw god throw that game up this week uh, tonight. I mean, it wouldn't. A part of me feels like he's just going to throw Kane on. Actually, and, and actually, then, is he going to start? Is he going to be in there? Is he going to be involved? We'll have to wait Nuno and see, won't we? Nuno, Nuno is a would be a, um, a you know what stirrer. I reckon if he starts him, I'd love to see him start because I, yeah. <laughs> he'd be pissing Kane off and pissing City off. But um, geez, they've got some. They've got some. Um, Oh, some sort of delicate negotiating loopholes to go through there. Speaking of the athletic, there's a great backgrounder on the site on, on in our news and article section if you want a bit more depth. Well, they're literally talking, go, they go into the, the gentleman's agreement that never happened, the mm. Kane things that happened that Levy didn't. And, um, you know, I, if I was a Spurs fan, I, I'd be really rovable with, with, with Levy because, it, you know, Kane signed a six year contract without really much of a get-out clause, like, you know, what basically Grealish did because he just loved the club so much. He thought he'd be there. But he didn't mm. think the club would crumble to such an extent that he would want out. Um, but that's what Levy's done with the way he's run the club. Yeah. And that's a real pity. Steve. All right, going from going from uh, champions in Man City down to the newly promoted side, let's talk a bit about Brentford. What did you make oh. of their first outing the other night? Fabulous, huh? How good. And you hope that like, you, you sort of see the narrative evolve and the spirit evolve through the championship. And, and for probably two years, they're probably what, mo- the, the new, what most neutrals wanted to see go up because of um, their lovely story, uh, the money ball aspect of it, the underdog coming good. Um, 74 years, they hadn't been in the top flight at all. Um, but then to see them come out, look, I think it was amazing um, to see that their first game was now back and having fans, 17,000 fans there with a real group. Like, it, it, you don't get that feeling of like a grassroots atmosphere at a Premier League game particularly often, um, but it felt like that. It felt raw, real, a real connection for the people there who had, who had waited for this moment for sometimes their whole lives. Um, and it was just a brilliant occasion. I mean, fortunately for them, they played against an Arsenal team that was absolutely not at the races. I mean, fancy... Yeah. Fancy turning up for match week one after all the talk about you know would, what you know this is make or break for Arteta and that's what your your club produces it was it was awful but a fair bit of it was also induced by the energy and 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 the quality that Brentford had this shouldn't be underestimated they they were terrific and and whether they can sustain that for the whole year I don't think that's actually hugely relevant I think they're going to have a, a give this competition a really great fist yeah we're going to discover some stars we're going to discover some really likable characters and I think it's a, they're a perfect addition for this season where you know it's like the Premier League's coming back out the fans are back the spirit's back it feels real I think it's great to have yeah. them there but, but I mean, if Arteta was if Arteta wasn't 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 under pressure before, surely he is now. One oh game in, God, one loss, yeah. just spent fifty yeah. million pounds on a on a defender that hasn't played an international game, um, and you lose at home to uh, away. Sorry to to a, mm. to the new the new boys. Surely he's got to be under some pressure, isn't he? But I think it was the manner of it, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, when yeah. when, when mm. the goal came, it wasn't a surprise, and, and to be honest, just the result wasn't a surprise, and yeah. that's a that's a real indictment. On, on us, so I, I, I want Arteta to work because I want a young coach who clearly has a philosophy and a way of playing and a, and what is inferior and a pleasing way to, to play. You want it to work, but uh, they, they're miles off. They are so miles off. It's not funny. And granted, they had a couple of stars missing. It was it was a very un-Arsenal. It was a young team. But the bottom line is actually like the talent of the young players that they have there is, is still exceptional. The, the rest of the team that's there are still... That they're better than what they showed on, on in mm. that outing. So, um, I think, given how you know that that defeat was, he's now sort of accelerated that conversation. Of, I don't know how long, much longer, 
if there are repeat results or performances like that before this becomes a really serious conversation. But who comes in? And on what you can, you're only as good as a coach, and we'll touch on this with Carly. Yeah. You're only as good as a coach as the, as the cattle you have. Mm. So you know, if the cattle are not there, and he's you know he's now what almost a year into the job, mm. uh, you'd think now that they'd be starting to to see some of his players playing mm. now in the way that. But it just looked really adapt. Mm. Yes, they looked they looked a very very ordinary poor side, and I think it's going to be a long hard struggle for them this year. You're right. Sometimes the measure is actually take quality out. It's it's actually mm. the intensity and the and the intent and the 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 commitment. And and for in recent years, that's been something that's been a uh, you know the, the mentality has been something that people have questioned about Arsenal. Like I actually thought, wow, this is great for them. They get say Xhaka, for example, because for Switzerland at the Euros, he was, so he was mm. in, incredible. He was fantastic, and I thought, okay, well, you know, they're trying to harness that, play off that, and they'll they'll keep him there and they'll build on that. But Brentford won everything. Brentford. Brentford were the they were the ones that steered this this match and mm. um and look and I know you say you're only good as the cattle but there is talent mm. it's not like they were lacking talent in that front four you know and, and hopefully Smith Rowe and the like and Saka can come back in um you know I, look I'm a Chelsea fan I should be relishing this but you know as a neutral I, I hope that um you know that those young guys can almost uh, fearlessly make up mm-hmm. for the rest of the 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 lack of you know, mentality that seems to be in that squad. Yeah. But, but getting back to Brentford, I mean, they play at a Brentford community stadium, what they're called, and it's just the romance is back. And when you see clubs like that on the first day of getting promoted and they beat a real giant like Arsenal, it's it's quite it, – it just, you know, the fairy tale is back and it's great to see in this day and age of, you know, the corporate dollar, multi-million dollar mm. signings. But when we talk about the flip side now – um, um, and there's a lot of Liverpool fans here on, on the show, so no doubt they'll be happy to hear about uh, Liverpool doing well. But um, a record was achieved there with Mo Salah scoring. Is it the fifth consecutive opening day um, of the EPL? So that, that's that's quite an amazing achievement, isn't it? One, one season wonder, wasn't he? That's what everyone <laughs> said, right? Yeah. <laughs> wasn't good enough for your old mob, was he? Yeah. You know what's really interesting? Is um, um, talking to so we, we talked about we talked to Mark Schwartz this week on the Gagan pod about Lukaku's return, and um, Schwartz played with Salah, Schwartz played with De Bruyne, all at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mourinho's mm. famous cast-offs that, that he that he sold because you know that they didn't suit his 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 style his mentality, but a part of it that he says is you know what he had they stayed there the three of them they might not have become the players they were they needed to go out learn mm. find their confidence find someone who trusted them believed in them maybe just a different environment. And in this instance, you know, Lukaku had unfinished business that he wanted to come back to Chelsea and do. Salah, I mean, he is a sensation. It's just interesting to see. As a period last year where I wasn't sure whether all of that front three would still be at Liverpool this season. Um, And I think, in a way, one of the underestimated uh, elements of the start of this season is that Salah and Mane, they haven't done a Euros or a Copa America. So I think Mane in particular had a bad season last year. I think that could be a... Uh, uh, not like a new signing, a blessing, a blessing for Liverpool um, as they sort of look to, to almost restart. And uh, look, you can't read a hell of a lot into this opening game against Norwich, who and like Norwich fans shouldn't panic after this. That that, that they've got to mm. test themselves in more realistic games to see, you know, have they learned their lessons from last time? Will they still be as naive and open and 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 um, you know try to play be as pure as they were last time? Looking forward to seeing the, the test Liverpool have coming up. And you know, again, their midfield that's not going to be their first choice midfield going forward either. Um, how they replace Vinaldum because I think that's an underestimated loss for them as well. But I actually think they'll be 
Um, interesting that I haven't seen a lot of people tip Liverpool, and, and I, I'm not sure they will win it. But I, I think to say they won't be right up there, like really pushing, I don't think would be fair. I think um, I think they'll be rejuvenated this year for sure. Yeah, if we quickly look at the um, uh, the results there of match day one, Brentford defeating Arsenal 2-0, Man United absolutely smashing Leeds United 5-1, Leicester City Wolves 1-0, Chelsea over Crystal Palace 3-0, Watford also new um, promoted side, um, victors on opening day against Aston Villa, Everton likewise over Southampton and Brighton are away to Burnley. So two big games, one coming tonight, uh, Newcastle at home to West Ham. That game's at 11 p.m., and then Tottenham, Tottenham taking on Man City at 1.30 a.m. Now, um, we've got, I guess, one th good thing um, or one thing we would like to talk about, David, is a very special offer for fans of the EPL. They can, uh, um, um, and they can, well, if we can bring that up, that, that slide there, um, $99 special. Um, tell us a bit more about this annual pass. Yeah, so, and look, like you mentioned before, everyone's got to innovate and um, and stay ahead of the game and offer a good value for the customers. And, um, you know, people mention that um, obviously we don't have the Champions League anymore and, what you know, why they're paying the same. Our price never went up when we added the Champions League. And this is now a better offer than that. Um, if you love your football, you love the Premier League, get on now. Get on now. You, 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 you save it. You get in the bag for the year. And as I mentioned before, it's not just the matches. I mean, I, mean, I, I heard before I came on, you guys joking about uh, we're not as young as we used to be and it's hard to <laughs> pull your old nighters. And, oh, my God, the amount of times I wake up on the couch going, where am I? I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm on that game. The on-demand aspect has changed yeah. my consumption of sport completely. And for the Premier League, I'm watching way more than I ever have because you can watch it, you know, whenever you yeah. can sneak it in. So, yeah. um, you know, and the thing is now, not only do you have the, the, the live, if you want, the on-demand, um, the mini-match, the highlights, the, some games you're going to get extended highlights, so it's like a, a bobby's yeah. way. It's not three minutes, it's not 32 minutes, it's 10 minutes. Um, and then you've got all the punditry that comes out of it. You've got all the magazine shows, um, interviews. Love you, get, yeah. you get every press conference and yeah. you get all the post match player interviews um, and then if you're really time poor you read the articles or if you you know want you, you want to consume things in a different way you read the articles and um, so that's the offer and, and it's just to make sure that you know that football fans can access you know the best football in the world and, and the Premier League and the Women's Super League and I can't stress that enough the Women's yeah. Super League aspect because these are the two best competitions on the planet for you know both aspects um, and this competition obviously takes in the J League it takes in our fitness offering and goes all the way through. And there's obviously the women's Euros, this time, uh, you know, mid next year as well, which, which will take in that. So, yeah. football, football, football. Fascinating talking to you, David. Uh, we got to, well, we're going to have to move on. But before we do that, Craig's got one last question for you. Yeah, me. I have, and it's uh, and it's just going back to your club, Chelsea. I would just want to go back to that. Obviously, Lukaku um, is a huge signing for for the club. Uh, Ninety eight million coming back to a club that. Uh, really started started his career. Um, how good a signing is that? And f in your opinion, is it the missing piece in the jigsaw? Because yeah. for me, I think they're now title favourites. Yeah, yeah. Well, particularly what I said about City, which is um, you know probably poking holes that aren't necessarily there. But there's probably a few more questions about City now. How are they going to do it? Mm. Chelsea, you look and you go. You know, Werner, all the chances Chelsea missed. I think the gap between expected goals and Chelsea's goals was as probably um, stark as any clubs last year. And you go, you add Lukaku, who's in the form of his life, point to prove, coming in, it is the missing piece of the puzzle. I, I think 
the interesting thing for Tuchel is a little bit like Guardiola is he's got a lot of stars who want to be there every match. So he's got a bit of a balancing act. But I think everyone knows now Lukaku is... Yeah, you, you build it around him, and uh, I think why Chelsea are in a great position is they've got whether they want someone to go in behind, they've got Werner. If they want a bit more guile, they've got Ziyech. If they want, you know, a bit of a free roll, they've got to have it. If they want someone to run at players, they've got Pulisic. I mean, my goodness, that's a very, very spoiled squad. Um, and what a and what a strike from Chalabar last night for his uh, his de- debut uh, debut appearance in a Chelsea shirt and and scoring. He just looked absolutely gobsmacked when he scored, didn't he? It doesn't mm. hurt, you know, when actually people say you know you, you buy things up you buy the players that Chelsea actually have a lot of players that come through and I know there's a lot of joke that we have a lot on the books that we need to sell and um, a huge amount of players out on loan but you know you look at Mount you look at I mean Abraham might not work out but you have Rhys James as well Billy Gilmore's gone out on loan there's a lot of good young kids that have, that have actually come through so yeah. uh, they play their part in that aspect and um, that was great to see yeah. because I didn't expect or, or know that he was going to throw himself into the starting 11 um, this year so and, and another layer to add to the team and fantastic to see great strike he loved it he absolutely loved it junior teammate I think with Mason Mount or, or one of the the the, uh, the other first teamers so that, that's really cool awesome mate fantastic talking to you hopefully we'll get you back on air again sometime in the foreseeable future but in the meantime um, keep doing what you guys are doing at Optus Sports it's absolutely entertaining it's brilliant and it's uh, another piece of our rich kaleidoscope of Australian um, and international football available to Australian viewers. So uh, um, thank you on behalf of the Australian football community. My pleasure. Thanks for having me up on. Keep up the great work and uh, appreciate those kind words. Uh, awesome. Good thanks, on you. David. Yeah. Thanks, David. David Wiener, the, um, the sports editor and head of social media. That was a fascinating conversation. He's so enthusiastic. I just love his enthusiasm. Um, he's just a, a, I reckon he's got a bit of Italian in him. He's, those hands are moving. He's constantly. It's just. It's 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 palpable that enthusiasm. But it's um. Hey, how can it not be when, like I said, you walk into that or that job, whatever, and all you do is talk, speak, live, breathe football. Um, Steve, that sounds like a great job, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds pretty good. And like Absolutely. you say, you've got to have the right people with the right kind of passion in there. And that certainly came across then from Dave. And the question I wonder is, do, do does uh, himself and the other staff, after they do his OS fitness videos as well yeah. um, in their spare time, perhaps? I yeah. wonder if they uh, get down and do some of those yoga classes and things. I hope that they do. They do. They do. Okay, guys, we're going to take a little bit of a break. When we return, we're going to have our next guest, and that is the um, ex-EPL Welsh International and former Wolves Sunderland, Norwich City and Portsmouth player, and he's also the current head coach of the Western Sydney Wanderers, Carl Robinson. So um, Craig's just stepped away. He's going to get him on the line very, very shortly. In the meantime, before we do go, um, um, we, a big shout-out to our um, sponsors, our major sponsor of 2021, the Caroline Springs George Cross Football Club. Um, brilliant show last week. If you haven't caught that show from um, featuring um, Mark Sultana, um, we had Ivan Fra- Franic, the ex-Socceroo um, player as well, who was on there, and um, Sasha Pete as well, the under-14 and under-17 coach. Go to our YouTube channel. Make sure you go to our YouTube channel. Um, it's still there, and that is an absolutely fantastic – it was a great, great um, show, that one. Lots to talk about that's still very relevant to the football community today. And also our other episode sponsor for tonight, Macron Victoria – um, they've got some great deals happening at the moment um, on their website, Macro uh, Victoria. Get in touch with them. 
Giacomo Caruli, he'll make sure that you are well looked after. So uh, do make sure that you um, go onto that website. And here's a little bit of information and a few messages from our sponsor. Sport requires effort, sweat and strong will, and Macron knows it. A leading global company with Italian DNA in the production and sale of sportswear, when Macron first entered the sports world in 1971, it was a small yet strong player. Since then, Macron has been growing at a very fast pace, supporting teams, sportsmen and women at all levels, working hard to supply them with the best technical products to help improve their performances. With over 4 million pieces of stock available in our Italian warehouse and an extensive range of on-field, off-field and free-time products, we cater for everyone from amateurs to professional sporting organisations, even referees. Ranked third most prominent football brand by the UEFA, Macron keeps expanding its presence worldwide, including Australia, where we are currently proud partners of Perth Glory, MacArthur FC, Port Adelaide and Parramatta Eels and more to come. Work hard, play harder, Macron, your next team wear partner. For more information, visit our website at www.macronvic.com.au or call us on 1-800-MACRON. Welcome back to the Football Outwear Show. It is great to have your company here tonight. Um, it's Tonchi, Craig and Steve with you tonight. It's episode 68, guys, and um, time for our next guest, and he's on the line. Um, mate, his resume re re reads like uh, like an a volume of Encyclopedia Britannica. He's the ex-English Premier League, Welsh international, a former Wolves, Sunderland, Norwich City and Portsmouth player. He's also had a stint in Canada and the United States as a player. And currently, he's the head coach at the Western Sydney Wanderers. Absolute great pleasure to have uh, Carl Robertson, Robinson on the, on the phone joining us all the way from Sydney. Carl, are you there? We have, oh. we have we have been having some uh, technological issues throughout the evening leading up to this. So hopefully we're going to be able to get him on on board. Craig, is is he? Are we able to get him? Yeah, I can hear him in my earpiece, but uh, clearly you can't hear him. So give us one second, guys. Yeah, not a problem. Here they come. Craig's just going to jump off, and he's going to now. Steve, are you there? Oh no, we've lost Steve as well. <laughs> are you there, Steve? Oh, goodness me. We are having a nightmare tonight, folks. Um, hello, Craig. Is he back on? Hey, hello. Carl. Hello, Carl. You there? Seem to be struggling at the moment. What we might do is we... No. Yeah, uh, we might... No, no, Carl there? Yeah, no, he's here. He can, he can hear you guys. Can you... No, can't hear no. him. No. Okay, what we might do, folks, is we might just uh, take a, a quick commercial break, and when we return, we'll be back, hopefully, with Carl Robinson. Looking for the best in authentic Maltese cuisine? Then you need to dine at Georgie's on Vista. Situated in the heart of Fraser Eyes, you can't go wrong when it comes to family dining. We have a menu for mum and dad, one for the kids, and one for seniors everyone's taken care of. Don't miss our specialty nights. Tuesday night is Palmer night, 
where you get to choose from not one, but five different Palmers. Wednesday night, kids eat free with every paying adult meal. Thursday night is members night, where members get the chance to win some great prizes. And Friday night, join us for happy hour between 5.30pm to 7.30pm. Jim, Johnny, Jack and their little brother Schooner are only $5 each. Looking to get an early start Friday afternoon for a punt? Our sports bar with TAB is open from 3pm Friday afternoons. To book your table, email info at georgiesonvista.com.au. Bring the family and come dine at Georgie's on Vista. 46 City Vista Court, Fraser Eyes, Plumpton. Okay, welcome back to the um, Football Out West show. Hopefully, uh, Steve, have we got you there? <laughs> We've got Craig, but we haven't got uh, Steve at the moment. I'm not too sure what is going on at the moment. Um, Craig, have we got um, have we got our guest Carl Robinson on the line? Hopefully, you can hear him. Carl, are you there? No, they definitely can't. No, hear No, definitely him. cannot hear him. Don't know. Don't know what is going Still. on. Uh, let's keep trying. Um, no, Steve. No, Craig. Unfortunately, now. Um, Let's, uh, we're, we're going to, um, let's have a look at the EPL fixtures coming up um, next week. We've obviously looked at um, opening day fixtures. We've got um, Saturday um, evening. That's a really good time slot. Liverpool taking on Burnley. And uh, then we've also got, um, uh, we've got uh, Aston Villa taking on Newcastle and Crystal Palace up against Brentford as well as there's a few other midnight games there as well. Leeds United at um, home to Everton. And Man City taking on Norwich City. Some uh, some good games there um, uh, on Saturday night, Craig, and at a reasonable hour too. Yeah, look, it's always um, this time of the season, we always get a, um, a fantastic uh, fixture early on. Um, obviously, with it being Liverpool-Burnley next week at 9.30. Mm. Um but look, there's some, some big games there as well. Arsenal-Chelsea, uh, Monday morning, uh, 1.30. That'll be a fantastic uh, fantastic game to to watch that one. Manchester United-Southampton. Mm. Um, there's big games every week now, Tonch. It's, uh, there is, it's isn't there? Football. It's what we've waited for. It's, uh, it's uh -huh. fantastic that it's back. And um, yeah, really looking to see how it uh, how the season pans out for, for, for all clubs. Now, I think we've got Steve there. Steve Curtin, you you able to join us? <laughs> Oh goodness me! I, I, I can see him in the background. I just you just can't hear him. That's for sure, for, for whatever reason, unfortunately. But um, and it's good to have Hello. the crowd. Hello. Oh, can we hear? Is that? Hello. Craig? We have got Carl. Is that Carl? Hello. Hey, we can hear him. Thankfully, yes, Carl. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Oh, finally, we we've got a hold of you. That's good to hear, uh, mate. Great to have you on board, joining us here tonight. Um, um, let's let's first of all talk about you're up in Sydney at the moment, is that right? Yes, lockdown yeah. in Sydney, correct? Yeah, um, and Craig and, and and Steve themselves are down here in Melbourne. I'm I'm somewhat lucky at the moment. We've got um, um, a lot of restrictions, but no lockdown in Geelong, so um, I'm probably the luckiest at the moment of all of us. But how how are things for you, mate? Um, are, are you guys still able to train? Are you able to get out and? train with the squad up at um, at Western Sydney. How's that all progressing? Yeah, no, things are going okay. Obviously, the, the, the main 
concern here is everyone you know, sticks to the rules and follows the, the health protocols because we want to get out of this sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. So we, we have got an exemption to train uh, in smaller groups uh, so, uh, with a limited squad. Some of the players are in restricted areas which are in lockdown. So we are training with a small number, but it gives the opportunity for the young lads, for me to get my eyes on a few more young lads. So, you know, that's the, you know, it is what it is at the moment. There's not too many concerns because the, the health and safety of people are more concerned at the moment than football. We certainly wouldn't have uh, envisaged this uh, 12 months or so ago, Carl. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a worrying time for everybody, especially up in New South Wales. And we've been down through it down here in Melbourne mm. for, for the best part of 18 months now. And I know it's not nice. So, uh, yeah, wish everybody... Uh, um, safe well-being up there, and uh, and just hope that we can all uh, get through this and back to back to seeing what we saw and uh, on Optus Sports and the Premier League last night, where there's full houses because that's what you want as a coach and as a player, isn't it? It is, and I think that's what gives you you know the hope, isn't it? Yeah. Seeing Old Trafford, seeing Bruno Fernandes scoring that trick, and seeing the fans uh, back in the stadiums, you know that's what football's about. That's what sports about. Mm-hmm. You know that's what. You know, the reason you're in sport is for that. The reason why you're a supporter it is because of that as well. So, yes, we're going through a tough time at the moment. I think all of the rest of the world has been through tough times at similar, you know, in the last 18 months or so. We've just got to just follow the rules. That's what I said. I'm sick and tired of people not following the rules. And, uh, and I know that there's so many mixed messages out there. You know, right is right and wrong is wrong. Just follow the right rules and we're all back to normal sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Carl no, Robinson, mate. Carl Robinson for uh, for for, uh, for for leader of uh, of Victoria straight away. I'm, I'm, I'm voting you in, mate. You're in. When do you start? When can you start? Okay. I can add that to my Wikipedia. There you go. Then. Yeah. <laughs> now, mate, you, you, it's talking about adding adding things to your resume, mate. Have you got a long and colourful and illustrious career, both as a player and now as a manager? But um um and and you know obviously. Craig, being a proud Welshman himself, was we, we just cannot get away from the from the Welsh, and, and, and we're loving it that if that way. But mate, tell us about your your EPL career, and and look, go, going back right to the start, your junior days, and what you're not. Um, tell us how your your footballing career developed from a young age. Well, I come from uh, Mid Wales, uh, where there's just to be fair, lots and lots of hills and sheep. You know that that is the only thing in my sm- in my small town. You know the last the last person to come out of Flandrin Dodd Wells, where I was born, um, mm-hmm. as an athlete, was in 1958. You know, and it was well known in that small town that no one ever succeeds in that in Flandrin Dodd. And you know, I went up to Man United as a young kid in Aston Villa, and then I ended up at Wolverhampton Wanderers as a 14 year old, and. You know, I just had a bit between my teeth. I just thought, do you know what? I'm going to prove people wrong. No one's ever done it. I kept getting mm. told no. You know, I was driving two hours. My late father and my mother were driving me two hours, three times a week to go and train. I, I think that's, you know, looking back then, you don't appreciate it at the time. You, when you're a little bit older now, you see how much support and advice parents and sacrifice parents have to give to kids to even get them to uh, to a, even uh, an even playing field, really, to give them the best chance that they can to succeed in sport, you know. And when you're young, you don't appreciate it and understand it. But as you as you get older, you do. Um, and at 16, I decided to leave Landrin Dodd and join Wolverhampton. And yeah. from day one, I was told that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't big enough, I wasn't strong enough, and I was too quiet. So the day I signed my first YPS form youth apprenticeship, I was told I was going to be 
back in Flandrian Dodd uh, literally a year later. And, you know, that hurt me. Um, I remember to this day my father telling me that I was crying my eyes out. So, uh, you know, as you get older, you can admit you cry when you're young and you're in your teens and your <laughs> early 20s. It, it's too cool to cry. Oh, no. You, no, you, you tell don't. everyone that you don't. Um, but I did. And three weeks, I wanted to go home. You know, I was hating it. I was homesick two hours away from home. But I got my head down and I thought, you know what? I'm going to give it my best chance. So that's the narrative I use now is that from that moment when I was told you couldn't do it you, for these reasons, and I did do it. So, you know, the determination, the professionalism, the hard work, and I wasn't the best player. I was just the most determined player. And that's what got me on the start of my journey. Brilliant. Steve, you're joining us. Are you able to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, Carl can hear me loud and clear there. How are you going, Carl? Yeah, good. Thanks, Steve. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Now, let's go on to um, your career transitioning on to becoming a, a manager now. Is there a particular manager or who is the manager that you remember from your career that I lost you? Yeah, he's gone again there. Yeah. I think it was uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I think on, it yeah. was which uh, which manager I think probably uh, was your influence as a as a youngster. Well, there, there was a, there was a number of them to be fair. As I as I grown got older, you know, and I, I knew pretty early I wanted to be a coach. You know, at 24, I joined Portsmouth on a free transfer from Wolverhampton Wanderers. You know, I gave up the possibility of having a testimonial just because I sort of fell in favour with David Jones, who was manager of Wolves at the time, and we just we just didn't get on. And I thought the right thing for me in my career to do was move. So I went and joined Portsmouth, and, uh, and Harry Redknapp was there. And at that moment, I just learned so much not just on the field, but off the field, how you deal with people, how you deal with personalities, you know, tapping into players' minds, getting the best out of players. Um, so as I, that was the start of the journey. And throughout throughout the career, I've had Mick McCarthy, brilliant man-manager, Harry Redknapp, man-manager off the field, John Toshat, the Welsh manager for four years, terrific tactical acumen, unbelievable level of detail that he was in. And then when I crossed the border to in North, North America, I had Hans Backer, who was Spengler and Ericsson's okay, assistant. Yeah. So, you know, I, I picked Hans' brain. So what I did was I was like a sponge. I took on board every little detail from every manager and I, I made notes of what I liked. But I also, you know, took the parts that I didn't like and, and phased them out a little bit. You know, what you've got to do is when you step across that playing barrier to become a coach is be who you are. You know, I didn't want to get away from the fact that my values as a person, late mother, late father and mother brought me up with were honesty, you know, hardworking and selfless and show humility. And that's, that's how I conduct myself now as a manager, tied in with all the characteristics and, and details that I've learned from those uh, smart managers that I work with. Now, those smart managers that you work with, one of them that you mentioned there was uh, uh, the great John Toshak, uh, who obviously was the Welsh manager, um, ex-Liverpool uh, uh, player as well. He mm. gave you a bit of advice on coaching, didn't he? Which I've, I've read up and listened to it, and I thought it was fantastic about uh, going to bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he did. Yeah. yeah. No, did. Tell us more. <laughs> It's so, so true. Yeah, and a little insight to John, you know, fortunate enough to work with John Toshat for four plus years. You know, he extended my national team career. He, 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 I said about his tactical acumen, he was so smart. He was probably too smart for all of the Welsh players 
probably except Ryan Giggs, who was at a, a different level again. And when we used to go into our meetings, uh, pre-match meetings, he knew what he wanted out of the meetings and trying to get that across to us boys. And we were playing in the championship and, you know, somewhere in the Premier League, dropped down to the championship, somewhere in League One at the time, Cardiff, Swansea and all of these. So, you know, we, we were just a group of good, honest, hardworking players. Um, but we had a manager that had so much level of detail in him. And one of the, you know, analogies he always used was football is very, very simple. It's like going to bed. You know, when you get into bed, what, you know, what's the first thing you do? You, you know, your head is, you get into bed and you make sure your feet are warm and your body's warm, but your head's cold. And he goes, the problem you have is when you want to cover your head, you pull it over your head and your feet get cold. And he goes, that is football. People talk about you've got to score so more goals than anyone else. So you go out and attack and you pull the quilt over your head and you leave your defense open and you concede. And I thought, oh, you're right. And when you're in management, you understand that's what it means because everyone wants to play this attacking, free-flowing football. Everyone wants to be front foot and all of this. But as soon as you do that, if you haven't got the players at the back end of the pitch, you leave yourself vulnerable to concede. Mm -hmm. Defense wins championships. Quality at the top end of the pitch wins games. And that's the analogies that he always used to use. And it's so, so true. And what, um, as a as a coach, uh, uh, Carl, obviously, um, you know, coach for for a number of years now in in uh, North America. And uh, what type of coach, what type of manager are you? What's what's your if there was a, a notice on the wall here, Carl manager, uh, Carl Robinson? How what would that say? Uh, I think you know it's, it's a it's a really good question, and it's it's one that whenever a manager goes into a job, and I've been fortunate enough to you know manage two hundred and fifty. 280 league league games in two different continents and it's and it's brilliant. I never thought I'd do that. I never thought I'd play 500 games, but I did. And it's all about how how much you want to sacrifice, how much you want to give, and how much you want to learn. You know, the the key, the key to me when I become a manager was I am go I've, I've made myself aware I, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to know that I don't know everything, but I'm going to learn from it. And if you make a mistake, that's okay. Human nature is to put your barriers up and try and justify your mistakes. But I thought, do you know what? I've never done that as a player and I'm not going to do that as a manager. I'll learn, I'll write notes, I'll carry these black books with me all over. And if I make a mistake, I'll hold my hand up. All right. So going into management, I said, uh, you know, and one of the things I use with my players is, listen, guys, we all make mistakes. We're human. All right. But to be a successful person or individual and be part of a collective successful team, you have to own it. You have to show accountability and hold your hand up and you'll gain more respect from that. So, the, you know, there's, there's layers into management, which, you know, people always ask me. And I say, listen, first of all, I show humility. Second of all, I'll do anything for anyone because I expect them to do anything for me back. You know, and I'm honest with players. You know, sometimes players, you know, they say, why are they left out? And they don't understand why they're not playing in that lot. You can't have that argument with me. I will explain to you why you're left out and I'll tell you what you need to do to get into the team. So there's just a, you know, the, the way I look at it is if you're honest with people, they might not like it, but welcome to sports, welcome to football. You can't keep 23 players happy when you only start 11 players. So that's the that's the pillars that I use off the field, on the field. You know, we talk about what, what do you want to be as a manager and, you know, there's so many styles and philosophies within football, you know, and everyone says, you know, they use the simple one of front foot, free flow and attacking, uh, exciting football and things like that. But, you What's know, that I mean? think yeah. you just look at, 
Yeah, exactly. You know, you look yeah. at philosophy, and the, the, the word philosophy gets branded branded out there so many times. And and I just look at it and say, do you know what? I've got so many different philosophies within my makeup. I've got a management philosophy, my coaching philosophy. There's a club philosophy, which is all different to the uh, to all the, all the clubs that you join as well. So yeah. you you just got you got to break down the layers and say, listen, don't just be this stereotypical person that just you know says this party line because you need to find out about it yourself, find out what you want to be, find out about the club, and then try and mine that all in together to help the club, the players, and the staff all be successful for the supporters because football is about supporters. Yeah. Now, Carl, what interests me really is, is your your vast experience, not only in, in the United Kingdom, but also, um, as Craig mentioned, um, in North America and also here. Now, you were a player at Toronto FC and New York Red Bulls in the Major League Soccer uh, competition over in, in North America. But then you started your managerial career with uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps before, before coming here to Australia, obviously, um, as Newcastle Jets and now Western Sydney Wanderers coach. Tell tell us, mate, like your your own observations, your own experiences of MLS compared to the A League, and it's obviously uh, two countries that are very similar in that football is not the main sport, but um, the MLS and I guess the A League could not be you know worlds apart, more worlds apart, obviously because of various reasons, um, resources, money, population, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But in your eyes, what could the A League do to maybe emulate what the MLS has done over the years, and particularly in, during that time that you were exposed to it as a player and as a manager? Well, that, again, that's a really good question, and people ask me all the time why I, why I've come to Australia, why I've come to the A League, and mm-hmm. you know, we we all know it's a salary cap league. All right, North America, based upon the the American way of sports with the NBA, the NFL, and they have salary caps. So when I joined in 2007, there was a salary cap. You know, um, the clubs that were trying to buy to get into the league, there was only 16 teams at the time. Now I think there's 26 or 27 franchises, as you call them. So it's a multi-million dollar business over there to to uh, build a franchise, own a franchise, develop a franchise. You know, and as as more franchises come into the league. Obviously, the salary cap increases, and if salary cap increases, that means the better level of player you got. And within the, the ten years I spent in Major League Soccer, and it was it was ten wonderful years, you know, and I enjoyed it when I joined. And the year I took out after 2018, when I left from post in Vancouver, I wanted a rest. I wanted a physical and a mental rest. But mm-hmm. I saw it all. You know, I saw the the big names. I saw the but David Beckham joined literally a week after I joined Major League Soccer at LA Galaxy for a, for a five-year period. I played with Thierry Henry, Rafa Marquez, and Juan Pablo Angel at New York Red Bulls. Robbie Keane, my friend, come over to LA Galaxy um, you know, and joined in 2014. You had Perlo Lampard. You had David Villa at New NYFC. You had Steven Gerrard make a, a, a mm. fleeting yearly stay. You had Wayne Rooney. So they all come. And then there was another layer of players that joined, and that was the the talented young South American players that the model was, why don't we sign them, identify them in South America and then try and sell them, um, use the North American market as the middle ground to go and sell them a la Miguel Almiron, the Paraguayan boy who went to Atlanta for two years, helped them win the Major League Soccer and now is at Newcastle in the Premier League. You know, they bought him for 14, 15 million and sold him for 24 million. So, you know, the, the there's a lot of similarities between 
back then when I joined and the A-League now. Obviously, it's it's at a smaller scale. You know, the salary yeah. cap in the A-League is a little bit different to what it is in Major League Soccer. I believe it's about $9 million now per team in, in Major League Soccer. And, and when you're talking about marquee players and designated players, as they call them over there, you know, each team has two here, whereas you are able to have three over there as well as a, a group, uh, an allotment of money where you can have a, a, an additional five players, which would be marquee players here. So the increase in level each year has gone, and it's all based probably upon the you know trying to get better each year without losing sight of becoming a New York Metro All Stars that went defunct back in the seventies. You know, so you got you got to be careful before you can you got to walk before you can run. You know that you can't go all in and then make a mockery of the league and it all blows up. So, you know, they've done it fantastically well in Major League Soccer. They, you know, the A-League here as well, you know, the, the smaller salary cap at the moment. But what you've got to use, you know, circumstances sometimes to your advantage. And I looked yeah. at it when I joined Newcastle 12 months ago, 18 months ago, and then joined Western Sydney last year. Yes, the salary cap isn't as big as over there. But I'll tell you what they've got here. They've got some fantastic young Australian players. All right. What they weren't, you know, what you find is the more and more finances that are involved in football, the less young players get given the opportunity. So, and that's okay, but you've got to, you've got to decide what you want to be as a, as a league, what you want to be as a club, and what direction you want to go. And there's not one way of doing it. There's a number of ways you can do it. You can go an older team, you can be a more experienced team, you can go full of all star team, or you can go a young, hungry team. You know, and teams all over the world like Ajaxes or, um, you know. <laughs> Um, Man United, Man City's are obviously the big the big hitters that go and spend all the money. Or you can be a, a development team, a Leipzig, or someone like that, an Ajax, a, a Dortmund who, who buys, develops, and sells players. So I think it just gives the opportunity here at the moment in the A-League for young players to be shown the platform to go and play and then give them the opportunity to not only go and play at the next level, because there are levels. You know, every, every league in the world sells their players. Even the Premier League sells their players at some stage to China. You know, Oscar went from Chelsea to to China. So every league has to sell players, um, but you got you got to buy into what you want. And I'm enjoying working with these young players, especially I've got Western Sydney because we've got a fantastic ownership group, we've got fantastic people at the club, and we've got so many talented youngsters. And there's more coming through. Brilliant, Steve. Very good, good wrap there, Carl. Um, let's talk a bit about your old club in the the post uh, Nuno Espirito Santos. Um, Era now with uh, Bruno Lager coming in. How do you see them going in the coming uh, season? Well, I worry for them, if I'm honest. You know, I speak quite regularly about Wolves because it is a club close to my heart. And, you know, last year I just sensed they'd lost their way a little bit. You know, there was there was rumours about Nuno possibly wanting to leave and interest in Nuno leaving, uh, even though he had a number of years on his contract. And he's done brilliantly since he's walked into that football club. He's reignited the whole... City, uh, he's put it on the map again. You know, there's so much positivity around the area. I did worry last year, and I thought something wasn't quite right. And obviously, he left this year, and he's taken over at Tottenham. It's a fantastic job for him. And Bruno Lager's come in, so um, I think the biggest thing for Wolves, and I think what well, Bruno's an, ex- I say, experienced manager. Obviously, it's his, sec- his first job in the Premier League, but he's had some similar experience of English football when he was with Carlos Carvajal at Swansea. Is he needs to decide what he wants to be about as a club. You know, are they going to be a more possession-orientated team like a Brighton, you know, or are they going to be 
based upon the players they have, a more counter-attacking team. Is he going to play four at the back or three at the back? He played three against Leicester. On Saturday, he changed it within game to try and find little pockets of space for certain players that he had. But when you have players like Jimenez, when you have players like Traore, when you have players like Moutinho and people like that and who have got pace and power, you have to be a counter-attacking team. And I think that's what he's got to find out. And I don't think he wants to be that sort of team, but he's got the personnel to be that team. So I think that'll be his biggest thing this year. The Premier League is ruthless, as we all know. You know, as good a manager as you are, as good a team as you are, if you don't get off to a good start and you get caught in a rut, it can be very, very difficult to get out of. So I do have worries, you know, and maybe those worries will be totally wrong. And I hope they are because, like you said, it's a, it's a club now. It's firmly established in the Premier League. Yeah, Jimenez coming back is a is a um, is a major lift for them. Uh, having obviously um, not played for, for for quite some time through uh, through a nasty uh, nasty injury he had, but that's going to take some time for him to get back to where he was before the injury, Carl, because he was uh, he was some player at uh, before he got his uh, his head injury. It was, yeah, it wasn't, and to even see him on the football field is yeah. a breath of fresh air. Yeah, because you know you, sometimes you don't realise what you've got until it's gone. Uh, and I think the football world, in relation to that injury, um, he was doing so, so well. He was being linked to a number of other Premier League clubs and Spanish clubs. And, uh, you know, you've shown what a top, top striker he was. And then he gets the injury. And to be out for that period of time, um, obviously, puts doubt in your mind. And so it's great to see him back. It will take him time. But if you're in the Premier League, you need a person that's going to get you 10 or 15 goals to have a chance of surviving. And I just hope he gets back to the level of formal sooner rather than later uh, but you've got 